Welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Diva. My mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. Today's PCOS Diva podcast is sponsored by the seven-day Discover Your PCOS Diva Jumpstart program. Jumpstart is the place to begin when you're ready to commit to yourself and jump into your healing journey. Learn step-by-step how diet, lifestyle, and mindset changes can get you on the right path. You'll be thrilled to feel your energy return, brain fog lift, acne begin to clear, and so much more. Visit PCOSDiva.com slash jumpstart for more information and to get started today. If you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com. There I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a PCOS diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram as well. Today's podcast guest is Kate Davies. She's a returning guest to the PCOS Diva podcast, and I will post our previous episode in the show notes. She is an independent fertility nurse consultant and IVF coach. She's also the co-host of a fantastic podcast called The Fertility Podcast, and Kate uses her platform to help break the silence surrounding infertility, and promote positive and accurate fertility messages and information. So welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast again, Kate. Thank you, Amy. It's lovely. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. So uh, listeners know that being a PCOS Diva is about kind of empowering yourself with information so that you can take better control of your PCOS. And honestly, Kate, I think you and I agree that there's no better information than the data that your cycles give you every month. Uh, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm I'm so, um, it's something I'm really, really passionate about. I'm passionate about teaching women to really understand their cycles, understand their fertility, understand when they're ovulating, because we know that research shows that fertility awareness knowledge can reduce your time to conception considerably. And I think it's something that we're we're kind of not taught in school, are we? We're taught in school to avoid getting pregnant. We're not taught this really amazing information about our bodies that actually Mother Nature has given us. And I think it's something that can be so empowering for women to learn. And I know when I learned about it, I thought, why did I not know this sooner? And I think that's exactly how we both feel, don't we, about the importance of empowering women on their cycles. Oh, and, and, you know, I've shared this with women on the podcast that it was really the way that I discovered I had PCOS was through charting my cycles. Uh, I realized that I had these really long inovulatory cycles. And, you know, it's, um, it, it's kind of a mystery for a lot of women on how to go about charting and go about kind of figuring out the patterns. And you, I just wanted to draw attention to some blog post articles. I will put them in the show notes that you 
uh, graciously wrote for us um, mm-hmm. a while back about different uh, ovulation predictor kits and, and different ways of charting your cycles. Um, but I, I think you and I are both in agreement that really for women with PCOS have who kind of have, um, you know, like, like I just mentioned, these long periods of inovulation and it's difficult yeah. to, to track your cycles. Uh, the OvoSense Fertility Monitor is, is really my favorite and the one that I recommend to my clients with PCOS and to have irregular cycles. Um, and, yeah. you know, I know we've had this conversation before about OvoSense, and I, I was wondering if you could just kind of let people know, like, what you think about it and um, mm. why do you think it's, it's good for women with PCOS? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, I came across Obisense about um, about six years ago, five, six years ago, and I was immediately interested in it because I thought this is what I teach my patients with basal body temperature recording, but it gives so much more accuracy and convenience. And I think those are the two things that are just so important. And as you mentioned, for women with PCOS who have long cycles if you're taking your temperature through bbt every morning it can be really difficult to to keep going with that the whole time and also the the accuracy is so important and women need something that is going to give them that that accuracy and also i think with the importance with um PCOS is there's nothing better than for a woman to find out that she is ovulating because as you know so many women are told that they're not ovulating by by their medical practitioners and often that's down to inaccurate timing of the progesterone test for example but actually Mm -hmm. once they start getting empowered by their cycles and whilst they might have really long cycles majority of women are ovulating some clearly aren't but the majority are and to have that information and knowledge is is so powerful and I think the reason why OvoSense to me was just the best option compared to BBT and to other methods such as um, using skin temperature methods or um, OPKs looking at luteinizing hormone is that those just aren't accurate for a lot of women, um, whereas the core body temperature is the most accurate measurement of um, of your temperature for fertility and with obvious sensors uh, i know a lot of your ladies and audience already know is that obvious sense is a um a vaginal sensor that is worn in the vagina overnight now sometimes when <laughs> when i first say that to ladies they're like what do you want me to put that where um but uh, but actually it once they start using it they're like oh, yeah it's it's just like a tampon and and if if used correctly just like a tampon you don't feel it so it's really comfortable it's really well tolerated and it takes all these measurements at five minute intervals overnight. So really convenient. You don't have to worry about taking a temperature first thing in the morning and any kind of environmental, um, you know, room temperature disturbances that might happen from that. Or certainly if you already have a child, you know, having not having to worry about having to have a disturbed night's sleep. It doesn't matter with obvious sense. It's, it's there. It's doing its magic. You don't have to worry about it. Um, and also it's just it, it, the information that it gives is obviously that that great deal of accuracy with the, the five minute interval measurements and showing those uh, temperature fluctuations and the temperature 
cycle and exactly what happens with ovulation and the, uh, the biphasic curve is just great to look at and again really empowering um, so it's definitely the method that I prefer overall so yesterday I had a couple uh, discover call client sessions um, and we were talking about cycles and you know it was really interesting because um, a couple uh, these ladies were t- starting to take different supplements like Avocetol, mm-hmm. and they were noticing that they were having some in, like interesting like breakthrough bleeding in their cycle. Um, there, one woman's cycle was shorter, uh, and you know I I feel like Avocetol. I mean Avocetol is one of those supplements that can really kind of shake up your menstrual cycle, but you're not really sure what's happening. But I feel like combining that with a fertility tracking method um, like Ovusense just really helps you with the data to figure out what is going on. And I was wondering if you could talk about using fertility tracking like that to kind of I guess, hack your menstrual cycle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the beauty of it. It gives you so much information. So for example, you can pick up things like an early ovulation. You can pick up importantly with PCOS, a late ovulation. Um, You're going to be picking up an anovulation. So a monophasic chart rather than a biphasic chart that has the two phases. Um, importantly, and this is what I see an awful lot of is short luteal phase. And to me, I don't know about you, but to me, the luteal phase is one of the most important phases of the menstrual cycle, because that's the time when the endometrium, the lining of the womb is getting really ready to, and I like to kind of think of it as a little comfy duvet to getting all ready, plump, and just like a lovely duvet that's going to allow the, the fertilized embryo to nestle into this lovely luteal phase, lovely um, endometrium and if that luteal phase is too short then clearly that's not going to create that beautiful environment um, so picking up a short luteal phase is vitally important other things as well that you can pick up are a slow rise a slow temperature rise which you can often see with women with pcos so rather than a sharp rise over a, a 24-hour period you can see this slow rise that takes a few days to kind of get elevated so there's certainly lots of cycle patterns that you can pick up using obviousense um, that will give you a bit of an insight into what's going on with your fertility Mm. And I think that it's a good tool to sort of see if lifestyle intervention is working because you can kind of see that in your cycle. If you're changing your diet, your lifestyle, adding certain supplements, um, you can see the actual data, um, you know, using the, that Ovasense system. Yeah, you absolutely can. And I think that's what I love about it is that I might start seeing a lady who's um, using Ovasense and, um, might suggest some dietary changes, particularly with PCOS or, or um, use of inositol. And then you can really monitor that improvement um, from, from a woman that previously may have had a really, really long cycle to that cycle becoming less lengthy and a better quality ovulation. And equally, women who might be having um, medication throughout their cycle, prescribed medication, uh, like ovulation induction, then you're able to see the success of ovulation induction, which again is critical for a woman that perhaps wasn't ovulating previously. And when she's taking Clomid or Letrozole, that you can actually start to see uh, an ovulation. You can really show the benefits of the treatment. And again, we have um, ladies that are perhaps going through IUI or IVF who want to again 
really monitor what's happening with their cycle during that treatment phase. Yeah, I mean, I think what, um, you know, and really why I want to get the message out to PCOS Divas is that it really puts so much control into your hands. I know, um, gosh, my oldest now is just turned 20. So this is a long time ago that I was going through Mm. monitored Clomid cycles and having to go into the doctor's office for um, an ultrasound or um, to see if, you know, I had ovulated um, where, you know, you could really, you know, do your Clomid cycle and you can really see in real time what's happening with your, with your hormones and your ovulation through the ovocent system. Yeah. Yeah. Really empowering, isn't it? Really empowering. And I, 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 I'm like, you you know my oldest is 18 and I I wish that I'd had this information back then it would have been a lot simpler yeah (laughs) that's a shame (laughs) so so what I the other thing that I wanted to share with everyone is that um I got my hands on a um a research paper that Obusense um presented at this past year's um ASRM which is a big uh, conference of reproductive endocrinologists here in the in the U.S. and I thought it was really fascinating because um, you know I think I've been a fan of Ovisense since you guys since they started mm-hmm. um, and I really understood the power of this tool. Um, but Ovisense has been collecting cycles um, from women that with PCOS who have been using the product for, you know, over the last several years. And they have started to see different patterns that are unique to women with PCOS. Um, And, you know, I feel like you could probably do a better job of explaining (laughs) those than I can. Um, And I just thought that you could share that with us. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yes. Obviously it started a, um, a study um, in 2019 and basically analyzing cycle data from a huge amount of users and they combined it with this questionnaire and the questionnaire was asking about uh, previous kind of fertility history so looking at um, whether they had PCOS looking whether they had a recurrent miscarriage for that that, that type of thing um, and this paper actually is also being presented to ESHRA which is the European Society of Reproductive Health um, next week it's our ESHRA week uh, next week so it's it's um, exciting time definitely and the the study kind of identified three new uh, cycle patterns so so I've already mentioned about the early ovulation late ovulation and the ones that we know of but these are brand new ones that that obviously have seen and the first one is what's called crash to baseline. And that's where the temperature starts high in the early part of the cycle and falls before ovulation. And the second one is a false start. And that's showing where the temperature rises in the middle of the cycle. It might rise a number of times, actually, but no ovulation takes place until eventually that the, the, te- the ovulation takes place later in the cycle. And I see that really frequently. And I also see it w- in a combination with when women notice this temperature rise, they also notice an increase in cervical mucus, which then the temperature drops and the cervical mucus disappears. And then it comes back again a few days later. And I tend to see actually typically two or three rises before ovulation then occurs. But I, it, that's just anecdotal from what I see from looking at 
charts charts you know every day in day out day yeah and and that and that particular false start pattern is that um sort of suggesting an initial lh surge um yes it well possibly i mean obviously um obviously isn't looking at lh it's looking at progesterone but it's it's certainly showing that there was a there was a rise in progesterone now whether that was initially from some lh surge that then started that then obviously obviously isn't looking for that but it's certainly noticing that rise in progesterone but it just doesn't come to anything Mm -hmm. um and then the third one is something called crash after ovulation and that's where the temperature falls directly after ovulation and i think what this these three patterns tell us in terms of fertility and how they're not a diet they're not a diagnostic tool in themselves but they can absolutely assist in diagnosing and what they're found is that these have been as the researchers link these patterns with the previously known diagnosis of the um of the participants in the study um they have noticed that the crash to baseline so the first one i mentioned is highly associated with pcos and particularly with regular cycles. So these women are women that, that actually may well go undiagnosed or may take years to get a diagnosis because they know something is wrong, but actually they're not perhaps fitting into all the Rotterdam criteria to get a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's quite an interesting one. The false start is also more highly associated with PCOS, as we mentioned. And then I think the one that I'm finding absolutely fascinating and I think this there is so much information here and so much potential interest in this one is that the final one, which was the crash after ovulation, it seems to be associated with women who have had one or more previous miscarriage. And so it's showing that actually that could potentially be a miscarriage risk. So we're getting we're showing that uh, mm. that fall in in temperature, which could then be diagnostic or help in diagnosing their miscarriage risk. So I think that's fascinating. They're all fascinating, but for me, I think the the third one is, is great because there's so much that we don't, that we just don't know about miscarriage. So I'm I'm so pleased to have that. So I wanted to just draw listeners to uh, their attention to a podcast that I did with Dr. Poppy Daniels a while back on progesterone. And we talk about progesterone supplementation and early pregnancy uh, to kind of help women that have this, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making assumptions here, but have this type of cycle pattern because there's a lot of women that can't support the pregnant, their pregnancies because they're not making enough progesterone. The progesterone's not rising. Um, So I'm wondering, you know, I'm just inferring, I guess that, these women that have this crash after ovulation potentially could need progesterone supplementation like early in pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's really interesting is I don't, I don't quite know um, your situation in the U S but in the UK, we've always been quite um, not particularly keen to prescribe progesterone for, for luteal phase support. Um, It's not recognized in our nice guidelines um, and so there's always been a bit of a barrier there, but there's been some recent research, and I think there's more coming out as well, that is showing that actually progesterone support to women who particularly have had recurrent miscarriage is so important. So I'm hoping in the UK, we're going to start seeing some changes to that. Well, I don't know, you tell me, Amy, how, how likely is it that women can get hold of progesterone um, if they're concerned? 
Yeah. Um, you know, right now you have to really kind of fight for it and find, um, you know, if you can look for a doctor who's been trained in NAPRO technology, um, they use natural progesterone in their, you know, their practices and their, their, you know, that's Dr. Poppy Daniels was talking about that as well. And, and I, uh, for a while was seeing a NAPRO um, specialist. They're trained um, through the, uh, I think it's the Pope John Paul Institute. Mm-hmm. Um, and the you're, you're probably familiar with the Crichton model of natural family planning. Yeah. yeah um, so yeah. they're, they're associated with that, but they could certainly help you, um, you know, with a, a, de- a defect like this, um, you know, the crash after ovulation and make sure you're on the right supplement protocol. I don't know if um, most traditionally trained like OBGYNs um, would would do that. I I am hearing from a lot of divas that they are getting pushback Mm -hmm. on that. So you just, you really have to kind of go armed to your doctor with this kind of data. and I, I'm just wondering if you could give women some tips on how to do that. You know, if you have an Ovisense monitor, if you're tracking like this and you see these cycle patterns and can you kind of maybe give us some tips on how to communicate this with our doctor? Yeah, well, I think traditionally it's, it's always been quite difficult to um, start these discussions about temperature recording with the medical profession because it fell out of favor many, many years ago. And um, it's something that I think that it's, it's always been quite difficult for some, uh, you know, in my experience, some of my patients will try and talk to their consultants about it. And they're like, no, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. Um, however, as more and more women are turning to tech, it's something that the, the medical profession are having to start listening to. Mm-hmm. And certainly they are, there is, there does seem to be more of a willingness and understanding, especially in the younger uh, medical doctors coming through that, um, you know, do have a, perhaps a bit more of a knowledge of that. They actually might have personal knowledge of it or their partner might be, might be using it. So I think that is definitely, that is definitely going to change with um, regards to obvious sense is obvious sense is just bringing out just about to launch um Sense Pro, which is actually designed to use with your professional. Um, and it's going to make, hopefully make it a lot easier. Also give an awful lot of information to the professional about the cycles and what, the, what this data is telling them. Because I think a lot of it is, you know, you and I understand it and a lot of other people understand it. But sometimes if you're not using it all the time, then they might not necessarily be familiar with what the, the temperatures are saying and what the, the cycle pattern is saying. So this Ovisense Pro is can now actually show all these cycle pattern, patterns that are now analysed in the new clinician portal. So the doctor will have an opportunity to look at the cycles and look back over the history of the Ovisense users' patterns as well to be able to see what's going on. And that will help them then to understand what further tests might be needed and as we talked about earlier, they can really help to track the effect of medications. And I think particularly for the medical profession, ovulation induction, that would be really useful for them to be able to see. And actually, you know, um, ovulation induction at the moment, you know, you, you might have a scan to check for ovulation. You might have a, uh, a progesterone test to check for ovulation. 
but all of those cost money and actually what's more cost effective than having an Obisense to tell you that you've ovulated uh, and to tell the professional that you've ovulated. So hopefully this will be a thing that, that pro- professionals will really take on boards and that women will be able to use the Obisense Pro with their professional to get so much more information. Yeah, I mean, that would be that would be fantastic. Um, And then it would be great to even have like a database at some point, like what doctors are using the Ovisense Pro so that you can go in and, you know, have a conversation on the same page with your doctor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, that would be the ideal. Yeah. So, so for listeners that are, um, I'm just going to pick your brain here since I have you on the podcast. Sure. Um, you know, so many women with PCOS have str- struggle with ovulating. Um, you know, what are your favorite like natural interventions um, to help women with PCOS ovulate? Okay, well, definitely the first one has to be nutrition. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, life, lifestyle is just huge. And the international guidelines for the assessment, management and treatment of PCOS really clearly state that the first line management is lifestyle. Um, so clearly nutrition, obviously if a woman with PCOS, and not all clearly, but if, obviously if a woman with PCOS is, is um, carrying a little extra weight, then losing some weight can be really helpful and it can mean that they spontaneously ovulate if they lose a percentage of their body weight so that that can be really useful um exercise is again so important especially for uh, insulin resistance using some um muscle strengthening exercise is is vitally important and can really help in the mix of everything and i suppose my third thing is um good supplementation particularly inositol um omega-3s um as well as kind of like the normal ones like vitamin vitamin d and folate or folic acid depending on your preference and i think those are those are my three top top areas that are i think are very important and i would suggest to all of my patients yeah i mean i i think that there's no like really magic pill even mm-hmm. even clomid and letrozole uh you know you really need to be working in combination with Absolutely. these lifestyle factors yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um so so kate tell us about your fertility podcast and <laughs> um you know what you what you talk about on there yeah, well, um, it, I'd love to say it's mine, but it's absolutely not. So um, the Fertility Podcast was started five years ago by Natalie Silverman, who is a um, broadcaster. Um, that's her background. She worked in radio. And then she started her podcast um, when she initially was going through, well, I think she was she was successfully pregnant after having IVF. And that was her, I guess, her desire to, to start talking about fertility. Um, and then I've known Natalie for a number of years. I've I've talked to her about PCOS on her podcast. And then this time last year, I went to London to do some radio interviews and just loved sitting like I'm sitting now, Amy, with my cans on my on my ears, my microphone in front of me. And I just thought, I love this and I want to do more. And I, I think Natalie and I had been chatting over a few weeks before that. And I said, oh, you know, I just, I think I sent her a message on the train on the way home and said, you know, I just loved it. I really, I, I really feel like I want to do more of this. What can I do? And she said, oh, well, funny if you're kind of thinking about that. Because I was thinking along the same lines. I'd love to get somebody in to co-host with me. And that's where it started. So 
Natalie always says that, you know, she's the kind of the patient or the, or the, the patient voice and I am the, the science voice. I wouldn't ever go as far as to say I'm the science voice, but I definitely kind of bring a kind of a clinician edge, I suppose, the professional edge to it. Um, and we talk about all sorts, all sorts. We've um, had done some great interviews today. We talked about gut health, actually, and PCOS today. Um, that's coming up soon. Uh, we've been talking to another lady with PCOS. For some reason, today has all been about PCOS, and it wouldn't necessarily normally be. Um, we've just interviewed uh, an amazing journalist who um, brought out a podcast just at the beginning of the year called The Immaculate Deception which is, I don't know if, if you remember hearing about it, but there was a, a doctor, yeah, a city doctor in the Netherlands called Jan Karbat, who um, it is believed fathered, I think getting on for 100, maybe even more children with his own sperm um, when he should have been using donor sperm or uh, uh, a woman's partner's sperm. Oh, my Lord. I know, awful, absolutely awful, but a fascinating podcast. So we interviewed her, so that's coming out soon. So we talk about everything, A to Z on fertility, basically. <laughs> oh, well, I, I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, and then also, Kate, tell us where we can um, you know, find your blog and, and more information about your, your practice. Yes, certainly. So my practice is called Your Fertility Journey, so you can find it um, just by googling your fertility journey um, and you can find lots of information on there about uh, PCOS you can also find information about uh, me and what I do um, and yeah there's there's lots of information so um, feel free to head over and take a look I'm also on Instagram as well at, on um, at your fertility journey on Instagram I'd love love anyone of anyone to join me on there love it <laughs> Well, and, and I just want to thank you for all of your great content that you've shared over the years with us at PCOS Diva. Oh, and um, we are going to link to some of that great content, especially around uh, cycle tracking and um, ovulation predictors, because you've done some great work um, to help, you know, drive our <laughs> awareness. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me again today. And thank you everyone for listening and I look forward to being with you again very soon. Bye-bye. Well, that wraps up our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on the PCOS Diva podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you liked this episode, remember to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at pcosdiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye-bye.